Hello, listeners. My name is Justin, and I'm here interviewing Jacob Phillips. The subject I'm interviewing is how humans are damaging the environment and how we can change to better the environment. I'll be asking Jacob Phillips some questions related to the topic, and we'll go ahead and begin now. So, Dude, that was a much better intro than I've heard out of anybody else. You actually have an intro. That's the I'll, I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. <laughs> All right. So can you just tell me a few things about you, like what you usually do? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> I was an uh, ecological biologist for the state, and then uh, – should take this off. Man. Um, other than that, I always was uh, – Basically going out and doing like deer surveys, bird surveys, flower counts, rabbit surveys, uh, doing stuff for the Department of Conservation on top of U.S. Fish and Wildlife, do like rattlesnake surveys and stuff like that it was actually a lot of fun. And um, eventually I, uh, I got more into like native plants because I started seeing a, a difference in the biodiversity of the stuff in my yard. Oh, that's pretty cool. Just like local. So you've done a lot with the environment. Yes. Is what I'm getting from you. Yeah. I, well, I grew up on a farm too. So oh, that, oh, that, that okay. helps a lot. <laughs> that, yeah, you know, exactly. It's kind of one of those that's bred into you without you meaning to know it. And then it just kind of was like, I uh, just kind of stuck with it. And... All right. All right, so then I'll just be asking you around five questions now related to the environment. All of a sudden, you should get like a broad perspective. Sure. Okay, thank you. Okay. Where do you see humans in 10 years if we don't change our bad habits? Oh, boy. Um... It's certainly not getting any better, as in like uh, seeing how weather is changing um, slowly but surely. You know, um, yeah, I know everybody's like, "Oh, is climate change real?" Like, it's totally happening. It's just at a much slower rate than I think people realize, but that doesn't make it any better. Um, but it's yeah, like the, the little things that are happening is the biggest issue. Um, seeing uh, like native pollinators like you know not just bees and butterflies what people think about but just ants and stuff like that that are a major thing and they're just kind of not showing up as much anymore right so what I'm getting from that is it obviously is happening but not on the scale that people think it is it's still very important though yeah um, so the the climate part is slow the extinctions well the extinction that's going on a lot of people say it's like the sixth mass extinction but this one just happens to be kind of human caused and yeah i totally agree with that even from seeing what i saw like as a little kid versus like seeing now it's like a fraction as it was and like talking to some of the older um environmentalists they you know they're like it's a fraction like when i was young it's a fraction of what it was and if you go back to the you know 40s and 50s it was like like, nobody would recognize the amounts of things we see uh, now, they, they saw than what we saw. Like, it would just be, like, unbelievable, so. Right. I understand that. Wow, that's a lot to take in, All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, do you think it's justified for humans to negatively impact the environment just to live comfortable lives? Oh, man. That's, that's kind of one of those uh, environmental ethics questions. Um, I think it's all like what you're raised around is the, the base of that. Because, you know, like, yeah, I was raised around farms. And so I would see things change. How erosion is a 
big problem, like how um, random amounts of water will just, just screw your ear, you know. So we were always conscious of that, um, but then that makes it your priority, and then eventually that becomes just what you are, or you, kind of who you are. However, if you weren't raised around that, how would you ever really get a chance to, for it to become your forethought? Because, you know, like comfortable for me at the farm might be very different than like comfortable for like a kid that was born and raised in the city, you know? Exactly. And so, I mean, it is a big deal, but like the question is like uh, ethically, what do your morals say, I guess? What do your morals say? So what I'm getting from that is they're not exactly justified for hurting the environment, but it's not entirely their fault because that's just how they were raised, right? Yeah, yes. Um, on top of that, though, like, they've... Eventually, you take ownership of it, of, like, oh, man, we... You know, and, and the problem is, so many times, it's, like, too late. Yeah. Like, even being, like... I was in my 30s when I finally understood the whole conservation thing. And mm. even then, I'm like, man, it's, it's like, almost too late to do anything. Um, and I do so, get that. <laughs> you know, like... You always hear people like, oh, I'm like 26. I can't go back to school now. I'm like, yeah, go back to school anytime. Dude, my mom went back. She was like 60, uh, 65, 66. She went back and got her degree. So that, like, that actually brings us like, to our next question. <laughs> is Do you think it's too late to change the environment? You were talking about being too late to do other things. Do you think it's too late to, for humans to go back on the damage that we've done? Uh, some damages can't be undone. Like the extinctions? Um, yes, the extinctions. Um, like there is... So when I was growing up, my dad was actually really sad about this. And it kind of really affected me. Because I like, never saw my dad sad, you know. I understand. But um, when we would talk about like uh, just conservation of land and the stuff that used to be here. Like he'd try to explain it to me. And there's no way I could ever understand it. You know, because he saw it firsthand. Um, there was like whole farms in... Uh, Gentry County, my home county, that had literally never been plowed. And I mean, like, from all of time until, like, the 70s and 80s, they were never plowed. And so, like, there is carbon in that dirt that will never get back. There's um, strata and layers and plants and animals that will never get back. That said, that doesn't mean give up. It's hopeless, you know. Like, um, that's kind of what got me into uh, native flower beds is just, like, well, come to find out, if you have really small patches of, like, just here and there, that's actually way better than doing a whole bunch of, like, fields and stuff like that. Okay. So, like, if everybody had, like, a, just a couple native plants in their yard, it could change real quick. And so, you know, even seeing a neighborhood with, like, two or three native flower beds, I'm like, this is better than ever. Or not ever, but this is better than it certainly has been in the last 50 years. Yeah, because that would help the soil, right, having the native plants there? Yeah. Like, we could still do native plants, no problem. Yeah. But it's just trying to get people to do that. And there's like a whole city in Colorado that um, they, they made this big city initiative. Like they were running low on water. And mm. so they made this big city initiative. They're like, okay, so we're spending a lot of water. And this is like the city uh, and people and everything. We're spending all this water on um, just taking care of our plants. But we have a whole bunch of really pretty plants that are from here. So what if we like, real quick, we just changed everything over. And so we're going to go all native across town. And everybody was on board with it. And it completely turned the town around. Like, they end up using something like a tenth of the water they were using. Oh, wow. And that actually, and that's for the whole city. And, like, their water bills just dropped because they weren't using hardly any water now. That's amazing, actually. Yeah. I, I had no clue. And I'm like, why can't more cities do that? And, you know, I noticed, like, 
whenever I started my native bed, they take about three to five years to get going, just because the tap roots have to go so deep. And I mean, like, some of them are a couple feet deep, some of them are like eight and ten feet deep, you know, it kind of depends. Um, after that first year, I didn't have to water my stuff anymore. Hmm. You know, like I was just trying to get the plant started, and then once I got going, didn't need water anymore. Yeah, because it was all native, it was used to the environment. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. And, but it, the nice thing about that was I saw so many more bees and butterflies, uh, you name it. Like all the stuff started to show up in my yard that I didn't know was of here. Okay. And so it's a native stuff, but all of a sudden it's back. You know, I started cataloging it and I love it. It was awesome. And so I'm like, okay, I can do this much with this little patch. What if I had like four or five of those just all over the place? And mm -hmm. all of a sudden you start building that back up and now it's like we can still definitely save it. Um, and I think people are kind of paying attention more now. It's not too late to, I mean, because Lord, look what happened with COVID that first month. Oh, yeah. Oh, good Lord. It was a complete turnaround in the environment. There was like whole cities that are usually smogged over, and it was clear. Just like... Right. It, ch it changed the entire yeah. environment of that city. It took a month. A month about not driving and everything, and it was fine. So, I mean... Yeah, it, that, it that, was, was, that was definitely crazy. <laughs> and if that wasn't a wake-up call that like, oh, crap, we can do this, like, I don't know right. what else is. So. All right. I'm going to move on to our final question now. This... So, take, take it as you will. Um, you, know how you, you know how people are trying to say, hey, let's colonize Mars, because the Earth, we're damaging it, and one day we, we might not be able to live on the Earth anymore. It might be too toxic to live on. Do you think it's possible to colonize Mars? Uh, man, this goes back to that whole uh, Howard Stark conundrum <laughs> of, like, I'm limited by the technology of my time, you know? Exactly. Maybe um, in the future we could, but will we have a future to do it in? Exactly, right? <laughs> this might be a last moment thing. I mean, uh, now the reason I say that is because Mars doesn't have much of a uh, magnetosphere around them, meaning they really don't have much of a magnetic force field like Earth does because our center, the center of the planet's like nickel and copper. They don't really have that, so we'd have to come up with something to be able to make a magnetosphere around it, or at least a, uh, yeah, you're... Uh, magnetic poles and spheres and everything, right? To be able to create an ozone that would then be able to safely save, or actually just save things like plants and animals. Because if you can't get plants, that you won't get animals. You won't get people. You gotta have water and plants. And there's definitely enough CO2 there to do half the trick, but the other half is like, man, there's so much radiation coming in because of the lack of ozone. That it would just shred everything regardless. So, Wow. Okay. So it is, it might be on the slim, slightest chance possible, but we would definitely need to do something like that in the future when we have more technology to do it with. Yeah. I mean, oh, dude, I'm totally like, with the, the opportunity and all the other rovers going, and right. I'm like, heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll find organic uh, soil or organic anything on there yeah. that proves that there was once life in the past. And yeah, it's thought, I mean, the, looking at the, the geography and the topography alone shows that there were like rivers, there's canyons, there's, yeah, there's like, a, the there's largest volcano in the solar system. Yeah, yeah. there's floodplains, there's all sorts of stuff that's like that indicates there was water. Where to go and why did it leave? Exactly. What if you could reverse those effects and now hold in your water? So then it becomes like, okay, what was it that took it away? How do we avoid that? And then how do we like bring it back? And then you could start to do awesome things like making ozone. 
which as long as you got a little bit of oxygen, which plants would put out, as long as you have something to protect plants, to put out ozone, and you definitely got your UV coming in to make ozone, then all of a sudden you have an ozone layer. It's just what's gonna keep it and make sure we don't, whatever happened to it doesn't happen again. All right, yep, that doesn't make sense. All right, I think that's <laughs> gonna wrap us up here. Thank you for doing this interview with me. Yeah, thanks Justin.